Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Well, um, we've been in our Say Law series, pausing in his presence. Today, I'm going to be wrapping up this series, and I'm going to be talking about silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. Some of you have a quieter life, and some of you would have an extremely loud life, and some of you are in between. Um, But today, I want to focus on potentially one of the greatest spiritual practices um, that great teachers throughout, throughout, since the time of Christ, have been encouraging us to do, and that's spending time with God in silence and solitude. And so I'm going to start with just a bit of a recap of my life to hopefully give you, not my entire life, just a small little snippet, um, to give you just an idea of where I was at and maybe Maybe you could relate to it, maybe not. I don't know. So prior to, um, prior to COVID, uh, we, we, many of you would know, but some wouldn't. Uh, this used to be the brick building. We owned it, but, but uh, they paid our mortgage, which was really great. And so on that side where the kids are right now, we used to run three services over there, and it was very full. It was wonderful. Uh, and then eventually we launched an, a, a location in Edmonton uh, where my wife and I, we oversaw that location, and we were meeting in West Edmonton Mall. And let me tell you, it was really awesome, but I have to admit, I, uh, I had been doing, uh, I was overseeing that with my wife, and I was, I think, my second or third year into real estate as well, and it was like doing two very full-time jobs, and I was extremely tired. I was very, very tired. I, uh, I would be going... I guess it would be minimum like minimum 12 hours a day of, of focused work time, up to 16 hours a day. And then you're trying to fit in the kids' games and events and, and all these different things that are going on and, and friendships and just life. So it was, I, was, I was at a pace where if you can imagine a road trip or a, a car for a road trip, my car was like, there's the smoke coming out of it. Uh, there's squeaking, there is, there is like all the dashboard is just lit up right now with the warning signs. That's kind of where my life was at, and I kind of, I hate to admit it, but that's where it was. So when COVID hit, it was, it was really strange and welcomed as well. (laughs) Not COVID itself, but, but the, the, just the pause, and about, a, I can't remember the time frame. Like, I think I spent the first month just like sleeping and just trying to become a human again. I felt like I was a zombie. And so um, I remember, I don't read books. I listen to them. I don't really comprehend very well when I physically am reading the words. It just doesn't work. So I got a hold of John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we've talked about it as a church before. But that's the first time I was listening to it. And I'd go, I live close to the high school. So I'd, there's a walking track, like a big track there. It's in the, still winter. And I'm walking this track and listening to John Mark Comer teach on silence and solitude. And I, it was just like every word was like a megaphone, like God had a megaphone just speaking directly to me. I'm like, why First of all, as a pastor, how am I not living a life that has built-in rhythms of rest 
That's ridiculous. I was just going and going. It was just, it, to me, I was actually, I felt like I was actually, once I realized it, it's like, this is sinning against God. He's designed us to rest. He's designed space in our, in our lives. And so, um, you know, I've, I've now implemented certain things from, from that book, and not just that book, but, but implementing silence and solitude into my life, uh, which has made a massive difference. And my life, it's not running at the exact same pace, but it's still pretty full. And I'm sure if I asked the majority of you, if you were to fill out on a poll from like not very busy at all to extremely full, most people would say between like busy and like really busy. Most people would answer that. Not all, but most when I talk to people in general. So hopefully we can take some moments to breathe in this. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite us today as we talk about silence and solitude, I'm going to be talking about the quiet place. This is a place that Jesus went to regularly. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus, which I always think is a great place to, uh, to look when we're looking to uh, live a life as a Christian. Maybe we should look to Jesus. Probably a good idea. So we're going to talk about the quiet place. What is it? Um, and then we're going to talk specifically about silence and solitude. It's not super complicated, but I think it's good to unpack just a little bit of what what are we talking about when we're talking about silence and solitude with God? Like, what does that mean? What do you mean, like, do I just, like, shut everything off and just, like, sit there quietly? What? So we're going to investigate that a little bit more. And I'll, I'll have, a lot of these solutions aren't like, wow, that, I never thought about, like, just going for a walk in the woods before by myself and just being calm. And so, I, that's not like a, a, like a massive revelation, I don't think, to a lot of people. Um, and then... At the very end of the service, we're going to try and practice just um, something that I think will be helpful for us, and it can maybe be a tool that you can take along into your own life. So does that sound like a plan? It's great. I heard one person say it's great, so I'm, I'm going to take that. All right, Father, we just give you this time. Uh, we open our hearts to you, God, and we trust that you are going to lead us through your word. God, you are going to lead us by your spirit. And uh, you want to you wanna direct our lives. And so we open up to that direction and that leading. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, let's get started here. Um, and th so just one little extra thing before we talk about the, the quiet place. When we're looking at all these disciplines uh, and all these practices, um, worship and fasting and, and prayer and all these uh, coming to the table and, and doing, doing these things, um, a lot of them, and especially silence and solitude, a lot of them, not the only goal, but one of the main goals that we have is that we want divine guidance, okay? So when we approach God, we do bring our thanks to him. And we, the Bible instructs us to bring thanksgiving to him, and we, we bring our worship to him. That's our primary, that's our first, that's our first goal anytime we approach God is, God, we bring honor to you. God, we bring, even when life, especially when life isn't good, and you can just go read through the Psalms, and you can look at that. Uh, David and, and others in the Psalms, they would bring, they would bring their thanks, thanksgiving, and they would bring their complaints. They would bring everything, but they're offering it to God, saying, God, I trust you. And, but, but beyond that, when we interact with God, we're not just being like, I just want to be a buddy with God. Even though we can have a relationship with him now because of Christ, we are looking for divine guidance. Wouldn't you agree? When you approach God, it's like, God, would you lead me in this situation? God, would you give me wisdom for this relationship or decisions that I need to make? Or what is the best choice? Like, 
oftentimes we're, we're asking God, what is the best choice? And so as we're spending time in silence and solitude, I want to help you have that filter in your mind as well, that as I approach God, I'm looking to be guided by him. I'm not just looking to put some, some time, okay, I'm just hanging out with you, God, and okay, it looks like the time's up. Cool, that was nice. See you later. That's not the goal. It's like, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to be changed more and more into the likeness of who you want me to be. So would you guide my mind, change the way that I think, because my human way of thinking is not the way that you want me to think. God, change, change the way that I actually act. Change my behavior. And that happens from the inside out. And then finally, um, change the way that I love people. I can't, if I, I don't have enough love for even one person, if I'm being honest. In my own humanness, it doesn't work very well. You just get, when you spend time with people, you get annoyed. I'm just being real. But when you have God's love, you actually, it's a free gift and you can love that way. So divine guidance, here we go, the quiet place. Let's start it off. Um, I'm going to start with a quote from John Mark Comer. um, And this says, the noise of the, the, let's get it right. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out one input we need most. Does that make sense? The noise of this modern world actually drowns out. It actually makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we need most. I think we can all agree that the noise of this world is not just a lot, it's overbearing. It is, there is music on demand. There's entertainment on demand. There's social interaction through social media on demand. There is virtually anything you can think of is almost on demand. Like if you want, like some of you, maybe you already have made an Amazon order while I've been talking. (laughs) And it's going to show up right away. Like it's just like, it's just now. And I'm just old enough to remember a time where, I, I don't know if anyone saw the, the whole thing, LeBron James set some records, you know, with points, and they showed two photos of one with Michael Jordan and one with LeBron James. The one with Michael Jordan, everyone's just like this. The one with LeBron James, everyone is with a phone doing this. It's like everyone was doing that. And, and, and that's, just, that's just a great picture to show how our world has changed so much. So when we talk about the quiet place, we really need it. We really do need to find a place that's quiet, that's uninterrupted. And so let's look at the life of Jesus. So Jesus, you know, he's, he's born, he's li- living his life, he becomes a, an adult, he's, he's a carpenter, and finally it's time for his ministry to take off. And so he goes uh, to John the Baptist, and he gets baptized, and, and, and all of a sudden there's this moment where the heavens open up, and, you know, the Spirit de- de- descends on on Christ like a dove, and, and we hear this voice, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Like, that would be a pretty crazy moment. Like, everybody else is getting dunked, everybody's getting baptized, and all of a sudden Jesus gets baptized, and the heavens open up, and you hear a vo- the voice of God. That's pretty crazy. Like, that's kind of the start of Jesus' ministry. And then what do we read in Matthew 4, 1 to 2? It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, or the desert, to be tempted by the devil. So Jesus has, it's like, it's kind of just, like, we, we've seen superstars rise overnight, where someone writes a song or does something athletically amazing, and we've never heard of them, and all of a sudden the whole world has heard of them. This is kind of like, Jesus shows up on the scene, it's like, I have arrived, and he's like, and now I'm gone. 
That's what Jesus does. He starts his whole ministry, and he's, he's led by the Spirit into the desert. Now, Eremos is the name, or is the Greek word for wilderness or, or desert. And it doesn't necessarily mean just like a sandy place, like just the, an actual desert. Here's some of the different meanings Eremos means. Deserted place, desolate place, a lonely place, a quiet place. So here you have a place where clearly you're on your own. Bear grills, you're on your own, just out in the woods, out in the Arctic, wherever you're going to be, you're on, you're, you're on your own here. It's a deserted place. No one's there. It's desolate, lonely. It's the quiet place. Have you ever spent time just by yourself? Or maybe you went for, um, I love going to the mountains personally, but you're, you're in the mountains, and even when it's my wife and I, we hike together, and we might just find two separate places, and we might just sit there for you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and it's just quiet. It is so refreshing. I don't know if you've experienced that before. I would assume most people have. It doesn't have to be the woods or the mountains, but there's a place where you can just be refreshed. It is life-giving. And, and so God's calling us to a place of quiet, the Eremos. This is the starting place for Jesus' ministry. So when we think wilderness, you know, we think a place of weakness, but that's actually backwards. The wilderness is, in fact, a place of strength. The quiet place is a place of strength. It's not a place of weakness. Jesus was led by the Spirit because it was there he was at his best. And that was preparing for him for all that was ahead of him. So he started his ministry with nearly a month and a half of time fasting and spending time in the quiet place. And no, I'm not going to challenge you to do a 40-day fast, but you could if you really wanted to. So as we continue to look at the life of Jesus, we're going to spend a few more minutes looking just through the scriptures at the life of Jesus. We fast forward, and he's basically come back on the scene, and he's right into a marathon. He's going. He's healing. He's, he's, um, he's uh, praying for, and he's bringing wisdom to, and he's providing for. He's doing all these things. So Jesus had just had a marathon day, and he just finished. Uh, this is in actually Mark. Uh, chapter one. If you read the first chapter, he, he's just like right into it. And he just, he, he finished healing a mother and then he went and he cast out all these demons from people and then he healed more people. And, and then um, it says here, Mark 1, 35 to 36, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to, the soli- to a solitary place where he prayed. And solitary place is actually translated the Eremos as well. He went to a solitary place, place where, he, where he prayed. Um, the, and, and so we, we look, this, and this is not just like the first time Jesus has been to the quiet place. I'm sure uh, he, he was, re- and it's recorded many times in, in Scripture, but I'm sure it was such a regular part of his life. Um, and so it's not a one-time thing where Jesus went and got supercharged and said, like, okay, I did my 40 days out here, and now I'm ready to rock and roll. That wasn't, that wasn't exactly what was happening. This was, we, we, we learn and we see this is a regular part of his life. We actually, um, we look here at Mark 6, 30 uh, to 33, and it says, um, so, so I'll, just, I'll just explain again what's happening. Jesus comes back from the quiet place, and they're just like, hey, you know, the crowds are here. There's lots of stuff happening. What, like, what do you want to do? And, um, 
And you can, you can see here in, in, uh, in Mark 6.30, it says, The apostles gathered, around, apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, I'm sure you can relate to that in life at times, you're so full on that it's like, I haven't even had a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So I think this is actually, it's, it's good for us to see. So Jesus had the intention like, okay guys, it has been full on. We need to go to a solitary place. We need to the, go to the quiet place. So he planned it, but the people interrupted it. And I think that's, I think that's good for us because this is real life too, right? We have, we have plans and intentions and we do get interrupted. And so check out what happened. This is, this is actually the story that leads in, if you know, if you know this story, um, this is, the, this is the story that leads into the feeding of the 5,000. I'm sure that that would have been a really, really, really intense, very full-on moment. And then what happens, we read, we read this. Um, so, you know, all these things are going on. And Jesus, like, they've wrapped up, they've collected all the, the food from the feeding of the 5,000, and then it, it ta- we take a look at what Jesus does here in Mark 6, 45 and 46. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them uh, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up onto a mountainside to pray. So imagine Jesus' life, you know, he's just going and going, and by this time, he went, like, he, he probably, I can't imagine, like, we can't imagine everything that Jesus is going through, of course, but the first thing that he does, once he dismiss, uh, dismisses people, is he goes right up to that mountainside, to a quiet place. He goes to this place to pray. And um, I think this is also a good challenge, and I'm glad I have recognized this now, when life actually gets really full, the first thing I think we notice for ourselves, well, I guess I shouldn't say for others, for myself, is that when things get really full, taking time specifically with God, people, people overall don't know, like, hey, did you spend time with Jesus today? Like, most people don't know. Sometimes they can because my attitude is so terrible. But I'm just being honest and real. But... But I think it's, I think, I, I, I love how this is just real life. It was crowded. It was busy. There were so many extra demands. And I'm sure we can, many of us can relate to that. Your life can get, feel like that it's get crowded in. Any parent out there is, and if you're about to be a parent, let me tell you. In a moment, just in a moment, you didn't, you have a child. I find it kind of crazy that you have to write all these tests, like have a firearm and like own this or own that or pass this or pass that. But with the child, it's like, here you go. Show me the car seat buckle in. All right, you're good to go. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, it's kind of crazy. But, but life gets very full. You might be a student where you're, you're, 
you have no extra help and you are working your butt off. You've got student loans, but you're also working two or three extra jobs while doing school, and that's not easy. You might be a business owner. You might be somebody who has uh, just a lot of extra responsibility outside your normal work life. And let me tell you, Jesus modeled for us beautifully. When life got full, he always prioritized the quiet place. Always. Um, and so we, we even look in, in it, it's actually, there's, cool, there's a cool kind of study that even in, um, in the book of Luke, they mention him going to the quiet place nine different times. And the busier Jesus got, the more he spent time in the quiet place. So I just think, and it's not just, and we'll get to kind of some particulars. It's not as if you have to, you don't have to go to a mountainside and pray every night when it's busy. It's like, all right, I guess I'm driving to Jasper and I'm going to pray all night here. You might want to drive to Jasper and just stay there, though. Uh, it says in Luke 5, 15 to 16, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to him, and he healed, um, to be healed of all their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely place, places and prayed. So he has, there's this tension of just people are coming. There's demands. There's all sorts of things happening. And what does Jesus do? It's like, all right, I'm going to the quiet place. I actually was talking with one individual who was having a bit of a struggle with, with the demands of life, and they were just questioning spirituality, and they were questioning, just like, man, I don't sense God's presence. And uh, the cool thing is this individual, they have a very demanding work life, and this individual, um, you know, instead of, I, I was talking with this person, and instead of, you know, I was asking, well, are you going to go home and watch the Oilers game? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Which they'd normally like to do. They said, no, I'm going straight into God's word. I'm going to spend time in God's word and pray, go to sleep, and just get back to work. And I thought, wow, that's what a great example of just the quiet place and prioritizing that. I thought that was just awesome. And that person just said, man, everything is, it's not perfect, but it's so much better just when I started to do that. And so that, that was just a really, really encouraging, um, encouraging thing. So, uh, ultimately, you know, we can come up with all sorts of excuses, but I think Jesus is putting on display for us that no matter where your life is at, and I'm not minimizing your challenges, because we all have challenges, and something hard to you is something hard, period. It's just hard, and I can sympathize with that. But ultimately, we're invited to this place, the quiet place. And Jesus, if Jesus prioritized it, I think we have to think about that long and hard and say, if he prioritized this, then we must do it. It's so vital that it's essential that we would do it. And so with the next few minutes, I just want to break down, just silence kind of the two aspects of it, and then we'll go into solitude, and then we're going to spend some time uh, just hopefully practicing just a little bit. Uh, so silence. There's two kinds of silences. Uh, silences? Is that correct? I don't know. No, so, teachers? Okay. I'm not good at, at words. Words are hard. Silence. Two different kinds. Let's go about it that way. There's external silence and internal silence. And so I want to talk about external uh, silence first. It's pretty straightforward. It's where there's no noise. Now, within reason, we can always be hearing something. You know, there's right now I can hear the hum of the lights all above me. Was that really funny? <laughs> it's ridiculously funny. Uh, but there's, but we're, we're, talking, we're talking about distracting noise, okay? You know, this, 
the sounds, the sound of headphones. You know, you've got your headphones in, you're listening to something all the time, the TV on in the background. There's all sorts of dis distracting sounds, you know, kids. Kids are noisy, they're joyful, but they're noisy. They are. And so ultimately, it's, it's when our physical, when, when the physical realm around us is not distracting with sound, okay? So you could actually be in many different environments where there's lots of peaceful sound, but it's not, it's not, it's not distracting. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty straightforward. Um, and uh, there's, all sorts of, there's all sorts of different things you can do, and we can talk about that shortly. But the one I want to talk about a lot is external noise. Oh, sorry, internal. Hello, I just said external. We're going for internal noise. And this is what I'm talking about. I've got a bit of a list here. The mental chatter that never shuts up. The running commentary in our heads on everything. The replaying of conversations, what we should have said, what we shouldn't have said, so on and so forth. Our lustful thoughts for that guy or girl. Our fantasies, and not just sexual ones. Potentially revenge fantasies. I should have done this, and I'm going to do that, and oh man. Our worry, our obsessing with hypoth hypothetical uh, scenarios. Uh, imagine, uh, imagining the worst case. Idealizing, dreaming up the perfect life. I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an idealist. I, it's hard. It's hard. Idea, uh, dreaming up the perfect life, which turns uh, your current life out to be quite poor. Because you're never at that bar where you want to be. So you're ruining your own life by dreaming about this other life. I'm not saying don't have dreams, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Really, the, the list goes on. And I think when we draw away to that quiet place, God is, you know, it's simple to just find a, a, some form of peace and quiet overall. But to shut this tape off that's rolling over and over and over and over and over, I think that's why we really need to draw away to that, to that quiet place. I think it's very, very important. The, the clutter of our minds can be deafening. Can, have you experienced that before? So much happening in there that it's just screaming at you. And I've experienced this too. My kids have, and I'm, I have to apologize all the time. I have so much going on here. When a physical sound all of a sudden just is really loud, I just blow up. And it's like it wasn't that physical sound that was the problem. It was all this internal stuff that's going on. A quick, and I'm just going to read this, actually, this section summed up solitude really, really well. So I just want to read solitude quickly, and then we're going to get to this practice. Um, and so this is right from John Mark Comer's book, uh, The Elimination of Hurry. And it says, the definition of solitude is when you are alone with God and your soul. Okay, so it's just you. There's no other people there. Uh, when you're alone with God and your soul. Solitude is not isolation. And I love how he makes, he, he, he kind of creates... Um, the difference here. He says, the two are worlds apart. Solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Isolation is painting a target on your back for the tempter. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul to let it grow into health and maturity Isolation is, is what you crave when you neglect the former, okay? And solitude, as somber as it sounds, is anything but loneliness. 
We're actually, I remember my mother-in-law encouraged me years ago. She says, when you have a holiday, have a holiday into God. Sometimes we have holidays, it's like, I'm doing nothing. No, have a holiday into God. That's, this is this invitation to this quiet place where you get to actually relate. You get to, to speak with. You're actually, you're actually having a conversation. Prayer is not just a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's a two-way street. So you're actually speaking with God and expecting him to speak back to you. And so really, I mean, there's endless amounts of things that you can do. Uh, some daily practices that you can do is like, you, ultimately, I want to encourage you to find a time and a place to regularly meet with God. Okay? And it doesn't have to be forever. It can be for 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be like an hour or the whole night. Read and reflect on the Bible. Journaling is helpful. I know for myself, I do not like journaling, and I'm very, very intermittent with it. But one thing my wife got me, and it, I, I do it sometimes, <laughs> it's a one-line-a-day journal, and it's for five years. So you, it just has from the whole calendar year, and you write one, one line that's about actually four lines, and you can just write one thought or a few things. But then you can go the next year as you return, you actually have that memory of like, oh, that's really cool. God answered that prayer, and I... I'm so thankful for that. So journaling, taking time to pray, worship, um, actively listening to God. And then solitude is, is as simple as going for a walk. One of my favorite things to do now is actually, I love driving. So I'll just go for a drive. Or sometimes if I have a destination, I'll take the long way or the less hectic way and just peacefully commune with God. Ultimately, we've been invited, and we see it even in Psalm 46, in verse 10, it says, Be still. We're commanded to actually be still, and, and, and it says, and know that I am God. Be still in God's presence. And so what I want to do with the last few moments, I'm going to invite my daughter out. She's going to sing a song uh, for us. And this is one practice that we can do to actually quiet the internal, because I think this is one of the biggest struggles. The internal peace in our mind is really difficult to deal with, and you can't just shut it off like that easily. Some, you might be able to, but overall, it's difficult. Haley, you can come out wherever you are. I think she's in the back there. Oh, there she is. So, um, so what I want to encourage us to do, we're just, she's just going to sing a song, um, and the words, the invitation is, and you can do this very easily when you actually spend solitude time with God. You can put on, you can put on, on a song and you can actually use those words to pray. And this isn't complicated, but I don't think we do it very often. You can use those words to pray to God. God, these are my words. These are my thoughts. These, these are my prayers, my desires for you, God. And so, God, I'm just creating this space for you. And so we're going we're gonna to invite you to do that. Now, in this time, it's, you know, we're just going to do this song, and then I'm going to actually uh, just wrap up things after that. She's over every doubt, every imperfection. Jesus, your presence is the comfort of my. 
Ultimately, the encouragement is that 
you can take some time as an individual to be with God. God longs and desires to be with you. There's a scripture that says, draw near to me, and that's God speaking. And his response to that is, he says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So hopefully you can be encouraged to take that time, a regular time, a regular place, as much as possible to just be with God. And so, Father, we just open our hearts again to you, God, to your leading, to your guiding. God, we desire your divine guidance in our life, God, so that we can be the reflections of Christ to a lost and broken world. And God, we thank you that you are the one that leads us. You are the one that guides us. And we thank you and we praise you. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.